Today on Executive Report, we're joined by Mike Bordick. Uh, so to give you a quick background on Mike, uh, Mike spent 14 seasons as a major league baseball player from 1990 to 2003. He played with the Oakland Athletics, Baltimore Orioles, New York Mets, and Toronto Blue Jays. Mike played over 1,700 games in the major leagues. He had 5,770 at-bats, 1,500 hits, 91 home runs, and 626 RBIs. As a defender, Mike played in over 13,000 innings and finished his career with a .982 fielding percentage. Mike also set major league records for most consecutive errorless games and most consecutive chances without an error by a shortstop. Mike was an all-star in 2000 and was elected to the Orioles Hall of Fame in 2011 and most recently is known as a broadcaster and analyst for the Orioles baseball on Masson. So Mike, welcome to Executive Report. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So actually, let's start with that last part a little bit, going from a professional athlete into broadcasting. You know, we hear a lot about that these days with Drew Brees and Tom Brady signing his massive contract. Is it is it a difficult transition to go from the field to the booth? It was very interesting, to say the least. And what I, I guess I was fortunate to be around some of the best broadcasters in the business. Gary Thorne, mm-hmm. Jim Palmer, who had done it That's really right. uh, his whole life after his baseball career. Uh, Jim Hunter, yeah. kind of legendary as well. So many guys to learn from. And basically, every guy to a man said preparation is key. Yeah. Very similar to how I handled my baseball career. So I would prepare before games. I would talk to players. And that really helped me. Now, getting in front of a camera and actually talking baseball was different and actually took like four or five years before I finally felt comfortable. Yeah, that, that sense of comfort is really important. Yeah. And um, and it's funny, too, because I remember Cal Ripken, who obviously you, you took that position on the field for him, went into the booth, um, and I don't think he cared for it that much. So, <laughs> Yeah, some people like doing it, some people don't. One thing I really enjoyed doing was actually kind of feeling like I was coach. Uh, if there was a play made, explain, you know, what the technique was, why he made or didn't make the play, uh, maybe base running, uh, if he didn't take the turn tight enough, things like that. So there were always fun things to kind of point out yeah. and really kind of coach the viewing audience. That's the approach I took. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, speaking of Cal, obviously when you came to Baltimore, um, that was an interesting situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were you were really taking the position of a legend in the Baltimore community. And more than that, you, he wasn't leaving. <laughs> he just moved moved over to third base. I mean, was that like an intimidating situation for you? Well, it wasn't at first. And and there's a neat little story here. Pat Gillick, Hall of Fame general manager, uh, met with me multiple times and, and kind of basically told me that this move, Cal going to third base, was going to happen with or without me. Hmm, and I, I was at a point in my career where I felt like I needed a challenge. I think all players kind of look forward to challenges, try to overcome. And I said, well, this is going to be a huge one. Let's take it on. Well, on my way down to the press conference in Baltimore, I saw the Washington Post, and there was a headline. There was my picture. I picked it up. I showed it to my wife, and uh, as I read down, it was just burying me. And the article said, this guy is not going to ever come close to taking the place of Cal Ripken. Uh, he's a glorified utility player. Just really ripped me, you know. Wow. So I ended up calling my agent and said, I don't think this is going to happen. And they finally kind of talked me back into getting down to the press conference. And, you know, I think I put a lot of undue pressure on myself. The team was awesome. 
Uh, and I guess that was the only saving grace about that 1997 mm. season. We went wire to wire, and That's we right. were arguably the best team in baseball. And Cal Ripken was just as advertised, one of yes. the greatest both on and off the field possible. We played catch every day. <laughs> he did everything he could to try to make me feel comfortable. And it took a couple months to kind of get over that anxiety, uh, trying to live up to those expectations. I had to pull myself back and say, listen, I'm not Cal Ripken. <laughs> I'm just Mike Bordick out here. I played baseball my whole life. Let's go have some fun. And ended up having a better four months of the season. But Cal was great. Teammates were awesome. They all made me feel comfortable. But early on, I could hear the fans, man, <laughs> getting all over. You're no Cal Ripken. And I had to kind of tell myself, no, I am not Cal Ripken. This is who I am. <laughs> well, it's interesting because very few athletes in any profession uh, can can make that transition seamlessly. I mean, you think about you know Aaron Rodgers taking over for Brett Favre, mm -hmm. um, you, maybe even um, Joe Montana when Steve Young came to take his place. And you're right up there, um, surplanting a legend and doing it successfully. So kudos to you. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah, it, it isn't easy. That's for sure. I think a lot of times you rely on your teammates, yeah. you know, for that kind of support. And I certainly had great teammates. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to taking responsibility, right, for yourself. Absolutely. And I mentioned the preparation that came into broadcasting. Well, I really ended up hanging my hat on my preparation and saying, <laughs> I'm going to work hard, do things the right way, and then just play the game. And ultimately, it ended up working out for me. Excellent. So um, when we were prepping for this a little bit earlier, um, you had mentioned that you have six kids. Mm. Um, that's, that's quite a bit, I'll yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the youngest of the six are the baseball guys. Yes. And um, it, it, how, do you enjoy that relationship with your kids, uh, being able to enjoy their sports and their, their activities? I have loved it. And you <laughs> want to talk about a learning experience. Going from my daughter, when she was first born, my first initial thought was, all right, we got a tomboy baby here we go let's play some baseball in the back teach her all these sports my older three kids weren't quite as competitive they enjoyed sports they loved it. as a matter of fact a great example of my daughter was we used to kind of judge her games on like how many touches she had of the ball whether it be soccer she even played field hockey one day interesting and one time she finally got a ball on her stick in field hockey <laughs> and she stepped away from it and at the end of the game I asked her I said what happened right there she said well that other player wanted it a lot more than I did. So <laughs> that kind of summed up really my older three, right? But my younger three, very competitive. They love sports and, and just kind of learning how to step back. I think after learning from all six kids, mm -hmm. my youngest, I've learned to just appreciate what he can do, not push him quite as hard mm -hmm. and, and enjoy his skills. And I just found out that he was named all-conference for uh, Boys Latin. So he's off to a nice little start that's, as a baseball player. That's fantastic. Thanks. Now, are you helping them, you know, with the technicalities and, and the technique that they use, or are you just really sitting back and enjoying? Well, right now, I'm trying to sit back and enjoy. <laughs> I, I've had some confrontations with my kids, and, and I guess as an huh? example to all parents, um, sometimes you've got to let them kind of become passionate about their sport. Mm -hmm. uh, my middle son, arguably my best athlete, when he was about 10 years old, he kind of put things in perspective for me. We were playing lacrosse in the backyard. I, I just kind of mentioned to him, maybe you want to get your eyes a little lower on the <laughs> ground ball. And he literally stopped and walked up to me and he asked me if I played lacrosse before. And I said, no. And he turned around and walked back. <laughs> now, I didn't hit him with my stick, but I just kind of <laughs> gathered my thoughts and said, wow, very interesting. And from that moment on, I tried to really 
encourage them mm -hmm. and let them enjoy their sport. And they certainly did. All three of my younger kids, they end up working harder at it. And they've all become very good at, at their craft. That's fantastic. And, and, you know, specific to baseball, it seems like there's less and less youth that are getting involved in the sport, um, especially once you get to the, you know, the collegiate and the minors. Um, and, and that actually brings me to a little bit of a concern about Major League Baseball in general, which is the popularity of the sport in general. Just It seems to be declining. Um, and you look at other, other sports like the NBA and the NFL, pretty much right out of college, you have an opportunity to go play and start. Um, but that's not the case with Major League Baseball. You know, you go into the minors, you're there for seemingly years at a time. Mm. Um, I think the most you can make is a little over $16,000 in a salary. I mean, that's the highest level. What is, I mean, why would people want to go through that to play baseball? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they love the sport. Yeah, uh, fair enough. You know, what, what, what bothers me today in all sports is that they, they become uh, just one sport athletes way mm. too early in their in their young careers. And I, I think when they can appreciate other sports, uh, play basketball, football, hockey, whatever sport is going on, but learn to kind of throw your glove in the closet and then take on the next sport, you become a better athlete. You find out what you can and can't do. You're able to see for, and learn from other athletes. Mm. And unfortunately, I think in all sports, there's a lot of burnout. Uh, yeah. with young players, uh, especially in baseball. There's risk of injury if you overtrain in baseball, and they have so many travel teams. They have fall baseball now, spring baseball. Kids are just constantly throwing and swinging. You, you hear about these injuries. They're like, wait a second, how does a young kid get a stress fracture in his back? Hmm. Well, it's from taking way too many swings. It's overtraining um, instead of kind of getting a good balance athletically in your body and let it grow properly to become a quality young athlete. So I think there is burnout to a mm -hmm. point for young athletes, and, and that's unfortunate. Baseball certainly doesn't have the same pace as other sports, um, but we're trying to bring it back. Yeah. I, I think what we need to do, um, especially guys like me, is get back out in the community. I'm giving some lessons over at the baseball warehouse in Owings Mills, so that's kind of helping kind of interject a little bit of life and, and mm -hmm. let kids know that it's a great sport. Um, I think... A lot of times, especially here recently in the game of baseball, we've lost a little strategy from mm. the sport. It's an all-or-nothing sport. Throw as hard as you can. Got I it. think, unfortunately, kids get discouraged if they're not throwing 95 miles an hour. Mm. Well, you can still learn how to pitch and locate your fastball. If you can't hit a ball 450 feet because there are max effort swings right now, you either hit a home run or you strike out. You either throw 95 or you don't even pitch. Um, so trying to bring back the strategy of the game, I think, is very unique to the sport. And when kids can appreciate that kind of baseball, I think they'll stay with it a little more. Understood. That, and that makes perfect sense. And something that I was really curious about um, is the wage for the minor league teams, right? Um, like I said, it's a little over 16000 I think $16,800 is the most you can earn. Uh, that's not even minimum wage. I mean, how is that How is that legal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Unfortunately, I think a lot of young players are just kind of considered a, you know, I hate to say it, just a piece of meat, right? Yeah. And, and the hope is that they can develop through. They've done a lot of things to change the game. They've cut back the draft now. Um, mm, and right. I think, unfortunately, that's kind of knocked off a population of players as well. Um, you know, they're not encouraging as many opportunities for young kids to play. And I think there's always been that kind of treatment in minor league baseball. The first contract I signed, I, I signed for $700 a month. Wow. So, you know, um, the, it, 
That's why baseball, I think, is a very unique sport. It's not only do you have to have a skill set, but you have to have a mental skill set. You have to develop mental toughness to go through the ups and downs. And I think in a lot of regards, Mm. minor league baseball is that mental test. Can you endure long bus rides and then get off the bus and play? Can you endure not making a lot of money, uh, but still finding ways to keep yourself in best possible shape? possible to make yourself the best athlete so it is a mental challenge because trust me when you all of a sudden have to play 162 games at the major league level you're going to be tested mentally every night interesting you know i hadn't thought about it from that perspective but you're right uh, there are a lot of games and it is about endurance both physically and mentally so that does make a lot of sense you had mentioned um, providing opportunity uh, for people to play baseball, and I know you're involved with uh, League of Dreams, uh, and you do a lot of work with them. So would you tell us a little bit about the mission and, and how you help? Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, the League of Dreams is, is such a special program. It gives special needs kids of any need opportunities to play baseball and softball. We've expanded a little bit. We've done CrossFit. We've done swimming. <laughs> so we are basically hoping to become the physical education for all kids with special needs. give them opportunities to play sports, um, learn about health and wellness to some degree, uh, to be active and create, build friendships. And and I think in a lot of ways, that's what sport offers, right? You learn character, you learn about hard work, you learn about making the most of opportunities. And trust me, these kids love getting out on the field and playing. You can sense their their accomplishment when they make contact or make a play, their face lights up. And, And it's not just them, it's the parents. Parents right. that are watching on the sideline. We are volunteer-based, so the kids that come and help us as volunteers, that impacts them on a daily basis. When they go out in the community, they look at kids differently. They treat them as peers. Yeah. So uh, it's so impactful, and it's so humbling, and I'm so proud of the things we've done, and we're looking to try to expand and give every kid an opportunity to get out on the baseball field. That's fantastic. As someone that has a special needs brother, um, he's, he's in his 20s now, but I understand that challenge because he was never involved in team sports uh, at any level and he didn't have those opportunities. So I think what you're doing with League of Dreams is absolutely phenomenal. Um, You said it's volunteer, 100% volunteer? Pretty much 100% volunteer. What we like to do is if we have, say, 25 kids that come out um, and have an opportunity to play baseball or softball, we'll try to get a local baseball team to come out there and volunteer and help. We've had great relationship with St. Paul's Girls School. They ended up having like 50 girls out on their field to help support and cheer on our kids from Ridge Ruxton School. And they got right a lot of right? Oh, absolutely. It yeah. is incredible. So we have a base of volunteers that love to come out. But when we can get other teams in there, Maryland Terps baseball team has been a part of it. Um, UMBC baseball team has been a part of it. We had a huge event that we had soccer and softball. Listen, the UMBC soccer team came out, lacrosse team came out, (laughs) and the baseball team all to help these kids. It was an amazing event, and we're grateful for all the contacts that we've had to help these kids really enjoy uh, and appreciate sports. Fantastic. So if someone wants to get involved and help out, how would they do that? 
Uh, Leagueofdreams.org. Okay. Check out our website. We're now starting to get into social media. Uh, we love donations because every donation helps gives, give kids opportunities to get on the field. And that's really our goal, to every day give kids with special needs opportunities to get out there. I mentioned how impactful it is to the volunteers, how many parents love to, to see it as well. But we have great relationships around the community. Uh, we also work with the Maryland School for the Blind, which is incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Beat baseball. Yep. Wow. If you haven't seen that, I oh have. my gosh, check it out. My, my brother's a graduate from the School for the Blind. No kidding. Is, All yeah. right. We so just you did an event up there um, uh, not too long ago. So it, it was a lot of fun watching uh, how visually impaired uh, kids can learn to play sports is an incredible experience. It, it absolutely really is. is. <laughs> uh, it's mind blowing. And it, it kind of makes you step back and say, wow. It does. It's un unbelievable. It does. So leagueofdreams.org? Yes, leagueofdreams.org. Absolutely. Fantastic. Are there any opportunities for companies to help as well, like on a corporate level? Please. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Absolutely. We've had some great partners over the years. Uh, Cal Ripken Senior Foundation mm -hmm. has been really our mainstay and somebody that's put given us opportunities to influence the lives of so many families and kids. Um, the Children's Guild was mm -hmm. a great supporter for a number of years, and we are looking for those kind of contributions and corporate, you know, those are the groups mm -hmm. that can really kind of put you over the edge. So we're looking to expand, give every kid an opportunity, not just here in our backyard in Maryland, but try to help out in other states as well. So I know we're running short of time, so I just have one last question. Um, you've had a great career. Obviously, you've got kids, uh, maybe grandkids in the future. I don't know. I mean, what, what, what does it look like over the next five or 10 years for Mike Bordick? Well, uh, my goal, my dream is to continue to help build the League of Dreams and mm -hmm. to be a part of that on a daily basis because the impact it has on so many of us and for me has been life changing. So to be able to stick with the League of Dreams and to continue to try to push that is my ultimate goal. I'm involved still with the, the baseball warehouse, so helping teach kids to appreciate and love the great game of baseball and really learn about sports in general because, you know, sports has so many great uh, things to offer. Mm -hmm. Teaches, uh, obviously, great characteristics of values, uh, morals on the field, sportsmanship, how to work as a team, and I think we all need a little bit more insight into that. I love talking to parents as well. Just kind of have them pull back and enjoy their kids. Trust me, I've got six kids, that time goes by. So the more times you can enjoy those opportunities, watching your kid, even if he's out on the sports field, pick a daisies, appreciate it. Stay in the moment because it doesn't last very long. Yeah. Well, remember everyone, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. And Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, great being on the show.